Welcome to the Study, Pray, and Rest podcast, where we use biblical literacy to mend hearts broken from the pain of injustice and inequity and become more just and equitable humans through the spiritual practices of Bible study, prayer, and Sabbath rest. I'm Deanna Mason, your host, and I'm so glad to have you here. I'm introducing a new section to the podcast called Spiritual Formation for Justice and Human Equity. And in this section, I'm hoping to just offer a very quick insertion of observation or reflection for us all to become more like Jesus in how we see humanity and how we treat one another and how we love because i believe god has such a huge heart for the equity and just treatment and righteous treatment of his creation and he gives us instructions on how to be this as believers in his word and so as we are sabbathing as we are studying our scriptures as we are worshiping or going along about our spiritual practices, asking God or inviting God in to help our hearts become more equitable, more just, more righteous, so that we can look more like him, be more like him, act more like him. That changes the world around us. That impacts the people that we get to engage with every single day. And so today, The spiritual formation practice that I want to focus on is compassion, which is love, right? Compassion and love can be synonymous in scripture, but I want to talk about compassion. In this particular episode, I want to talk about compassion in regards to being sensitive to American poverty. This is something that I am still cultivating and nurturing in my own life, wanting to be a more loving person in regards to the homeless population in my city. And I've had to pay attention to some of my own hangups and barriers and stigmas that I hold whenever I see a homeless person. So what started to bug me and Eddie was every time we would pass a homeless person that would be like at the exit or at the grocery store. And, you know, they have a sign or they ask you if you could give them money and, you know, we would just say no and, or sorry, we don't have anything. And it got to the point that we were like, this is bothering us. This is bothering us. And we don't really know why. And so we were like, should we just give money because we were taught for years don't give money because they could use it for drugs and alcohol you know just things that we've heard over the years and so we felt a little stymied we felt like we didn't really know what to do like we see them they're asking for help and we felt like there should be some type of response and so we had to spend some time in discussion as a family, as a couple, and in prayer with God around how we engage with our homeless population. But I want to just bring attention to one of my stigmas that I'm sure I carried around, 
for probably most of my life, at least most of my adult life, without even ever verbalizing it or ever articulating it or identifying it until recently. And the stigma is that a homeless person or a houseless person, I like using houseless because I heard, hear my, um, for, I want to say friend, he's not my friend. He is a mentor, but he doesn't know me. John Mark Comer referred to them as houseless. And I just liked that terminology. But the stigma that I carried was that houseless people are lazy. Like, why can't they do better? Why can't they pull themselves out of their situation? I don't think I would ever say that to them, but I think I carried around that feeling or opinion, judgment even, for many, many years without even knowing it was there. It was probably created as a result of the things that I've been exposed to culturally or maybe even from my family. You know, work hard, do what you got to do, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, especially in African-American culture, you know, just figure it out and do better. (laughs) I want to read a little snippet of an article that I read with the, let me see if I can um, remember the name of this organization, the Sharing Center, which is an organization in Florida that works with the homeless community there. And this is what their article says. It says, the stigma that people experiencing homelessness are lazy and don't want to work is extremely harmful to families and individuals journeying on the path back to stability. Researcher Josh Leopold of the Urban Institute estimated that about 25% of the homeless population is actually employed. The director of the National Coalition for the Homeless, Megan Hustings, found that 40 to 60% of the homeless population floats in and out of full-time and part-time work. And this was actually something that I was surprised about. I met a homeless woman, houseless woman in her family. She had her daughters with her a couple months ago, um, early this summer. And decided to kind of get involved a little bit with their situation. I wanted to know them more. I wanted to hear more about their life and wanted to journey with God on how to partner with her and her daughters in some way, shape or form. So this was like a little spiritual project I took on to learn more about the homeless population, or at least this particular situation. And this mother who was indeed homeless was employed. She had part-time employment. She had recently got sick and because she missed several hours or several days of work because she was in the hospital for um, hypertension, she had lost that job and she was in the process of being brought on at another part-time employment situation. I think she was pretty sure she had the job. I believe it was at Home Depot or something, but it was a warehouse job, I believe, that was also going to be part-time. So this wasn't a person that wasn't willing to work, at least based on my interactions with her. So that was like eye-opening for me personally. Uh, you you may be listening to me like, well, Deanna, that, I, I know that. I didn't know that. I think I just had an assumption, like I said, a stigma around this. Barriers of homelessness. This is what the um, SHARE Center has to say about some of the real life barriers that people have that keep them homeless, all right? There are many barriers homeless individuals must overcome to find and obtain stable work. 
listed are a few of those barriers for why people experiencing homelessness are unable to just get jobs, including having no permanent address, no transportation, no phone number, having physical or mental illness. They are escaping domestic violence, having, they may have a criminal record, the cost of living in their city, cleanliness might be an issue for them or hygiene, having a loss of their personal identifications, you know, birth certificate or driver's license. Maybe they don't even have the things that they need to show an employer in order to prove they are who they are, right? They had a young man named Tyrese share his experience with his job search, and this is what he said. People say, just get a job, get a job, you're lazy, but they don't realize everything was stolen from him. His ID, social security number, birth certificate when he, uh, during the COVID pandemic. It's taken him months to try to get these things back. And it's hard to hear those assumptions when people make them about him. And he says it really gets to him sometimes. He says, I want to go back to school and get my GED. I'd like to work in the kitchen or in construction, but you have to crawl before you walk. So this is Tyrese, one of the people that they help at their center, just sharing his story. Okay. So let's go ahead and cross over to some biblical considerations. I want to read Romans 12, 9 through 21. I'm in love with the book of Romans in regards to talking about how to treat people and how to create equity amongst each other. I think Paul does an amazing job in this book, just walking through this body of believers through their new identity in Christ in regards to treating people with the love of God. This particular section I have labeled in my Bible as Christ likeness, and it has a title in my translation that says love in action or compassion in action. Here we go. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless, those, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people in low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, now he's about to tell them this is what you should do instead. If your enemy is hungry, feed them. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heat burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Okay. So here's what I want you to do with that passage. In your own Bible, I want to give you some observations to go ahead and mark. You can mark them however you want. Come up with a symbol to mark the description of love. Any descriptor that you find in that passage 
that refers back to love being sincere because that's how he opens it. And it implies everything after that is him teaching them what sincere love looks like. Okay. I want you to create some type of symbol to mark the descriptions that you find on love being sincere. Or I want you to create a symbol for his commands or instruction around what love being acted out on or what the demonstration of love looks like. You can do both if you want, but the description of love or mark his commands around love. As a bonus, I want you to create a symbol for any time he gives instructions around those that are in need, those that are poor. (laughs) That comes up very often in just that short passage of scripture. So you can just maybe underline or something, anything that directly gives instructions around the poor. All right. After you do this, these are the two questions I want you to ask. How does Paul describe sincere love? Can you observe what you have marked and translate that to your journal word for word? Do not paraphrase. How does Paul describe sincere love? This is called an observation question. Just observe what the text has told you about about Paul describing sincere love. And just make a bulleted list and just word for word it how he is describing it, okay? And the second question I want you to ask which one of these is God speaking to your heart to cultivate? Because he's probably not highlighting all of them for you, even though we all could work on the whole list. (laughs) But there might be one particular thing that he is highlighting for you and see if you can get in touch with that one thing. Okay, so... Here's the practice that I want you to focus on this week. In regards to compassion, every time you pass a homeless person, houseless person in your city, I want you to just pause. This is the only thing I want you to do. Now, if you're prompted to do more than that, go for it. But just pause and pray. Father, I see you. How do you want me to cultivate compassion for the poor in my city? That's it. Just pray that prayer. I see you, Father. Because the Bible tells us that when we see those in need, that we're looking at him. When we see those that are in prison, we're looking at him, right? I see you, Father. How do you want me to cultivate compassion for the poor in my city? And if you already have a practice around engaging with the poor. Maybe there are things that you and your family are already doing. I want to challenge you with this prayer. Ask God, is there anything more you're asking of me to do? Is there more that you're asking of me to do, Father? And I guarantee you there's more he wants to grow you in, add to, or nurture you in, in regards to showing compassion to the poor that you are in proximity with, all right? And that's it.
Thank you for listening to the Study, Pray, and Rest podcast. Listen, you may have a question after listening to what you heard today, or maybe God spoke something specific to your heart. I'd love to hear it, and I'd love to journey with you around it. If you can just leave a comment on this episode or email me at Deanna at DeannaMason.com. You can join the Study, Pray, and Rest community on Instagram. We're at Study, Pray, and Rest. And don't forget to leave a star rating and review. The more of those we receive, the more people we can put our podcast in front of. Thank you so much for listening and we'll chat soon. Bye for now. Thank you.